from the Mercy One Studio. Welcome to Straight Talk, a lively discussion on tough issues impacting our lives. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Here's your host, Gene Wells. Welcome to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. It is your weekly dose of news from the diocese and the world, plus commentary on issues that have given us angst, that cause us grief, that keep us awake at night, and hopefully we can help alleviate some of that stress. It's time for Straight Talk. We're going to get to the bottom of the issues right here. You've got questions. We've got some answers for you. I'm Jean Wells. So blessed to be here in the Mercy One studio, uh, broadcasting on Iowa Catholic Radio, an opportunity to to share my faith, uh, to encourage others to do the same. Now, on today's show, I have Adam Story. Adam is Vice Chancellor for the Diocese of Des Moines. He wears a lot of hats. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, But we're going to talk specifically about the diocese response to covid you know, a lot of times I'm hearing lots of, you know, whining and complaining, and I've never done it myself, but there's sure been a lot of it going around. So we're going to get at all the things the diocese has been involved with, because, um, there, you know, <laughs> there has not been a shortage of opinions on how the president or the governor or our pastors or the bishop on how they have handled this coronavirus. Mask, don't mask. Shut down the state. Keep the economy going. Communion, yes. Communion, no. Keep us safe. It's a conspiracy theory. No, it's the devil. One thing we can all agree upon, though, is that we have never been in circumstances that we now face. So how we handle change is being put to the test as we speak. For almost every day, there is some sort of change thrown at us. Like day two of school for Dowling Catholic. Oh, the Air conditioning went out during the hottest week of the year, so there's no school on day two. Go figure. Uh, Unless you can create a a vaccine for this coronavirus, there's little we can do to solve these problems. But we can manage them. So when the the coronavirus gets to you, it gets you down, here's some suggestions. Go for a walk. Enjoy God's creation. Eat an apple. Take a deep breath and relax. For at least that moment, you can gain relief from the anxiety. And then repeat as needed. Let's talk about some events coming up. The Bishop's 2020 Golf Outing is at the end of this month, August 31st at Echo Valley. You can register online at catholiccharitiesdm.org. And although the tournament may look a little different than in the past, with additional restrictions and social distancing standards, uh, they will make sure that you have a great day on the links while you support Catholic Charities' mission of empowering individuals and strengthening families. Now, on September 24th, mark your calendar for that. You actually have to go to a website first. Um, It's the National Day of Prayer and Fasting for God's mercy on our land and the healing and conversion of our hearts. This is from someone we know and love, Father John Ricardo. Go to uh, his new ministries website. It's acts29.org. That's acts and then the Roman numerals. So acts.org uh, to be a part of that day of prayer and fasting. The Christ Star Life Conference is still on for September 26th and 27th with COVID-19 as an issue. 
The organizers are keeping an eye on all of the statistics in order to provide a safe conference with fall for this fall. For tickets, go online to ChristOurLifeIowa.com. And the Iowa Catholic Radio Fall Carathon is that last week of September, first week of October. So please take to prayer how you can support this ministry. If you have appreciated the straight talk that we provide you, or John Leonetti in the morning, or praying the rosary, or Bishop Johnson's new show, Getting Personal with the Bishop, this is an opportunity for you to support this ministry. So please take that to prayer. A couple items of news. Violence erupted in Kenosha, Wisconsin overnight Sunday night after a police shooting of a black man who was not complying with police requests. Hundreds gathered by the police station courthouse and violence quickly moved to surrounding businesses with broken windows and even a used car dealership targeted with nearly 140 vehicles set on fire. Oh, we pray for those souls of those folks who are causing that violence, that they may realize that that is not the solution to the problems. And we pray for the community of Kenosha. The Republican National Convention began yesterday and runs through August 27th with speeches uh, available from 8 to 10 p.m., of course, always online. Whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, or any other party, I believe we need to educate ourselves on the issues and platforms of all candidates and parties so we become better informed citizens. I shared this thought yesterday on Facebook and was sharply criticized because of it. None of us should blindly follow a party or a candidate without understanding their positions. We need to be educated because who knows who is going to get elected? We need to be able to understand what their positions are. Hey, when we come back, we'll be visiting with Adam Story, Vice Chancellor for the Diocese of Des Moines, about the diocese's response to COVID. It's time for Straight Talk right now on Iowa Catholic Radio. Hi, this is Father John Ricardo, and I want to thank Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory for underwriting Christ is the Answer. Losing a loved one, as we know, is never easy, and it can leave you feeling lost and even hopeless at times. But Caldwell Parish helps ease that burden by sincerely caring both about your loss and about your faith. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory is Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. Their number is 515-276-0551 or online at caldwellparish.com. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. 
pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Karbaka, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells, and we are so blessed here to be broadcasting from the Mercy One studio. And my guest today is Adam Story, Vice Chancellor for the Diocese of Des Moines. Uh, Adam, now you wear a couple of hats for the diocese, and in, as Vice Chancellor, you are in charge of COVID. <laughs> You're, yeah, that's right. Yeah. As much as anybody's in charge <laughs> in charge of COVID, I guess. Yeah. So, what is your role for the diocese during the pandemic? Let's understand wh- why I'm having you on as this guest. Yeah, sure. So, um, early on in the pandemic, you know, as as COVID started to spread, and and uh, we were attentive to everything that was happening early in March, around the March 13th, 14th, uh, we canceled public masses. And then How dare uh, when you? that we, and uh, <laughs> I've heard that before. Yes. Um, yeah. And when we canceled public masses, one of the first uh, things that we did after that was, all right, well, you know, when we resume public masses, what's that going to look like? How are we going to do it? When's the proper time to do that? Uh, and so we formed a, a committee, a committee that involves uh, pastors of our parishes. It involves lay people at the diocese. We, uh, recruited some medical consultants. And I wasn't in asked, my role, Adam. Um, I mean, that's I'm what really, else we hear. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, who's making? I wasn't. You know, I didn't even know sure. this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, there has been. Uh, uh, we've heard lots of opinions um, about about the decisions that were made, but we brought together a team of individuals from various places mm-hmm. and. Uh, we started to plan for that. You know, when's the right time to resume public worship? Um, when we do resume public worship, what are the things that we can do to mitigate risk? Uh, and in that process, uh, as the vice chancellor, I was kind of asked to help coordinate uh, those different conversations, help coordinate the uh, the work that we were doing, uh, bring together different voices, and kind of try to put together a plan that um, that's going to, you know, bring people back to public worship as soon as possible, but uh, as safely as possible. Uh, And then we continue to monitor things and we continue to look at, you know, what things do we need to change? What things Mm -hmm. uh, uh, do we need to kind of open up? Maybe what things do we need? Where do we need to pull back? Adam, 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 we have got to take a step back, though. Because you know what? 
there are people that, I mean, I understand because being at the diocese, I have been more uh, aware of the things that are happening than other folks might be. But some are saying that, you know, you're just kowtowing to, you know, this party or that party, that you're um, not being attentive to our spiritual souls, that you're just, you know, we're just, we're just bowing out. And what's that going to do for our faith? And, and what's your response to that? I mean, do you feel like you've been passive? Uh, you know, I don't feel like we've been passive. And actually, um, I'm, and it's not just because I've been involved in the work, but uh, I'm really deeply proud of the way that our diocese has responded and continues to respond. And that doesn't mean that everything's been perfect or that there's not room for disagreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, there certainly is. But I am, I am proud of the approach we've taken. But I would also say, you know, and I've, I've heard a lot of that feedback uh, mm-hmm. over the weeks. And, you know, I think that kind of, you know, at the root of it, there's sort of a distrust of leadership. And that distrust of leadership uh, existed well before COVID-19. And that this isn't just distrust of leadership of the church. This is no, distrust of leadership full circle. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, it, yeah, it absolutely sadly. involves the church, but mm-hmm. um, but it goes beyond. And you know, I think just like with any criticism, with any objection, there's uh, and really any any opinion, there's parts that are true and there are parts that are not, and you have to kind of sort those out. And at times, there has been reasons in the past to distrust leadership, and you know, so I'm not invalidating that entire experience. You know, some of that is based on good reason. But now what we have to do is look at the particular circumstance and say, in this case, you know, has our leadership acted in a trustworthy way? In this case, um, are we being, uh, you know, too passive or are we being not bold enough or, or whatever it is? And, you know, the only place I can speak for is the Diocese of Des Moines. But in the Diocese of Des Moines, I just don't think that those things are true. So what do you say then when people are like, what about our souls? We're not being fed. This is, you know, we can't be not having mass and, you know, the virtual masses just don't cut it. Um, we need Jesus. We need to receive him. Yeah. You know, and so well, we're not being bold enough from that perspective to say, you know, how do we receive Jesus? I mean, now, granted, we can now, but that's another issue that so many people are not coming back to mass, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that, um, that pain and that longing is a real thing. You know, that was, that was a part of my own experience Mm -hmm. as a lay person. When, when we didn't have public masses, uh, I didn't get a chance to go to mass until we finally did have public masses again. And, and I understand that pain and that, that was a hard time for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also think that, um, you know, receiving the Eucharist obviously is a profound good. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. Everything flows to the Eucharist and everything flows from the Eucharist. But there are times where, you know, sometimes we have to forego a good for the sake of some other good. And, you know, the, the care and the life and the health of the people around us does matter. You know, one of the, one of the um, images that I heard that I thought was, was compelling is made a comparison to marriage. And, 
I'm the marriage and family life director, so I like <laughs> so this resonated the yeah. marriage. Yeah, and it said, you know, the sexual act, the sexual union of a couple is the greatest form of intimacy that a couple has in their marriage. It's this high point. Uh, uh, you might even call it a source and a summit for the intimacy that happens in marriage. And yet for anybody who's practiced natural family planning, we, we recognize that there are times where we forego that good. You know, times where we say that good is not immediately accessible to me because of, you know, we're waiting to have more children. It's a mm -hmm. particular period in the cycle, you know, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's reasonable for couples to say, hey, even though this is the highest good uh, or this is a great good in our marriage, there are periods of abstinence. And as we as we had to kind of look at, all right, what's and the number one thing in all the decisions that were made were the spiritual health of the people of the Diocese of Des Moines, but that doesn't preclude physical health. But as we made those decisions, you know, I think this idea that, well, this is what I want, I need to have it now, you know, uh, those sorts of attitudes, to me, it, it sounds like consumer Catholicism. You know, this mm -hmm. is just something that I want to get, something that I deserve. And uh, I don't think that that's a healthy attitude. Well, and when you, you couldn't receive Jesus, you know, it, it, you know, it's easy to say, oh, we'll offer that up, you know, and I didn't really um, understand that phrase for years and years, you know, offer it up. Okay, Jesus, I'm offering up. And then I would continue to whine and complain, you know, and it's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm giving this up. Jesus gave up his life for me. I'm going to give up being able to receive him for this period of time you know, as my offering to him, just as he offered his life for me. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things that, yeah, you can't just, you can't be the consumer Catholic, like you said. It's like, I'd like three communions, two cheeseburgers, and a Diet Coke. I mean, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think, you know, as we discern, and in all of our spiritual lives, as we discern, you know, what's best for my spiritual life? What do I need in order to grow? Uh, you know, we ought to discern that in community. We ought to discern that with guidance. And we ought to discern that with a little bit of skepticism about my own will, my own judgment. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us in the spiritual life need to be a little bit skeptical of our own personal judgment. And so, you know, in this period of time, I think, I think that there is a sort of... Um, healthy, you know, it's okay to disagree and to say, prudentially, I think that that was the wrong decision, or prudentially, I think that we should have done this instead. Uh, but to, to sort of trust that, all right, God has, you know, uh, God has placed this bishop in my life as a steward of the sacraments. He's given me this community to be a part of. He's put these people in positions of authority and that God's will is going to be communicated through those particular circumstances, that God's desires are going to be uh, uh, given to us through this leadership that we have, even yes. though our leadership at times is imperfect. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. As we are imperfect. Yeah, of yeah. course. And let's, I, I want to look at this big picture again. The diocese hasn't just been determining what is going to happen at Mass. The The scope of what... Uh, your team has been responsible for uh, touches a lot of areas of our lives that um, I think a lot of our listeners don't realize. So let's look at that. What what is broad? What do you do? What is the 
this coronavirus committee looking at that's broader than just the masses? Yeah, well, and you know, there's different there's different elements, some of which I'm involved with and, and others I'm not. Sure. But mm-hmm. Kind of the, the biggest scope, you know, we look not just at mass, but at just public worship and the spiritual life of the people of of the diocese as a whole. And, you know, one of the things I'm proud of in our diocese is that uh, confession was always available throughout the entire, uh, you know, throughout this mm-hmm. entire year of 2020. Uh, anointing was always possible throughout this year. But so we looked at best practices for confession, for anointing, for, you know, having parishes open for private prayer, uh, but then also looked at the Mass as well. Um, beyond that, we looked at what are the other activities or what are the uh, the things that happen in the life of a parish and in a diocese beyond just worship? When we talk about charitable activities, how do we continue to support people, continue to reach out to people in the midst of a pandemic? Uh, we looked at gatherings of any kind, you know, whether it's a, a funeral luncheon, a wedding reception, um, you know, just the Knights of Columbus meeting, those sorts of things. No fish fries. Uh, yeah, that was something that we had to cancel and through Lent is the fish fries. And uh, some people were probably more fired up about that than anything else. But uh, uh, yeah, so those sorts of things. And, you know, these sorts of social gatherings um, on a limited basis, uh, taking proper precautions, those have begun again. Those are happening, mm-hmm. uh, but happening in relatively safe ways, which is which is our goal. And then, you know, and then we looked at getting back to school, you know, how do we bring students back into physical learning uh, in a classroom, which has just gotten started. But of course, uh, that was work that our superintendent, Donna Bishop, and her team mm-hmm. were doing throughout the summer. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of elements as we kind of, I think at the heart of it as a diocese, you know, how do we, how do we live in this current context in a way that takes appropriate precautions, but also let's us live our life. You know, we can't put our lives on hold indefinitely. So how do we live our life, but also take proper precautions uh, to protect our neighbor, to protect the vulnerable in our community? Yeah. Now, as we look at at all the things that happened last spring and the work that's been done over the summer, what are, let's talk about the the silver lining a little bit. Um, What are some of the things that you see, maybe if you have your crystal ball, um, what you see as things that, oh, we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to offer X. What do you think some yeah. of those things that are that came out to be wonderful additions to our faith community that we'll keep? Man, that's that's a really good question. And, and I don't know in what concrete way I would answer it, but I would say that, um, you know, ever since, Ever since I worked for the church, and I've worked in marriage and family ministry for uh, going on nine years now, and we've we've always talked about, you know, it can't just be business as usual. We can't just do business as usual. And then we've tended to, I've tended to do business as usual, <laughs> you know. Um, and this is this is a place where, you know, change and adaptation and innovation have all been forced upon us. You know, we didn't choose this, but it's, it's been thrust upon us. And, and maybe even some of the less important things, the peripheral things, have been stripped away from us. And that's, that's hard. That's painful. 
but I do think that this is this is kind of a providential moment for the church to say, all right, what are we really about? You know, what's our real focus? Um, how are we going to live this life of discipleship, of evangelization, of mission? Um, how let's just get back to the basics and let's do it. And mm-hmm. it, it, if we do that, uh, if we do that, I think it is a really uh, a, a, a profound good that can be drawn out of a profound uh, suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've loved some of the the uh, different things that happened in our um, various parishes. I love being able to go to mass at parishes all over the world, um, and you know, see the beautiful architecture, but you know, celebrate mass in, in that way. And I love that those are continuing, and I hope that continues. Um, I love some of the. Uh, um, talking points uh, that the the pastors would come on and share that what was going on, and I do hope that they continue that because it it is um, very insightful. And you know, you feel like you have more than just your home pastor. You have pastors from, you know, Father Dan Kirby and Father Mark Neal, as as well as my own pastor. You know, you get to have all of their different perceptions. So so that's very good. Hey, let's yeah. Let's, I'd, go ahead. Well, I was going to say our our. Stepping into the world of, of technology and kind of modern media, I think, is, is certainly an area of growth for us, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Let's Before we take, we have about two minutes, let's take uh, real quickly a look at the schools. It started yesterday for the majority of our Catholic schools. Now, St. Pat's and Perry started on uh, the 19th, the same day as the local public schools started. Uh, what are some of the unique efforts our schools are making for the safety of their students and teachers? Yeah, well... Yeah, our schools, I think, have, have done a really phenomenal job to try to prepare for having students in the building as, as safely as possible. And within our schools, there's a little bit uh, different plans based on school to school. Uh, but I know they're, they're doing things like social distancing as, as much as they can when they're able to uh, in common areas, wearing face coverings uh, or face masks. Uh, a lot of our schools have, have installed plastic barriers, you know, maybe in front of the teacher uh, uh, to help protect both the teacher and the students. And uh, uh, and then just health monitoring. I mean, one of I think one of the most important things is just when a person is ill uh, to stay home and, and be really intentional about that, uh, I think, is another important step. So, yeah, they've they've done a great job. And uh, it's exciting to see kids back in school. It is. For sure. It is all the all the photos yesterday on Facebook of first day of school and so many smiles, so many smiles, yeah. even behind the masks. You could see that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what religious education looks like with COVID and what are some of the challenges there, and then we're going to talk specifically about the things that happen differently at mass. So those of you that have not um, ventured back into the churches will have an up-close-and-personal feel of what that Mass looks like. You're listening to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. From the cardiovascular experts at the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics. Mercy provides complete care for Central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you. Online at mercydesmoines.org. Since 1924, St. Vincent de Paul has been helping those less fortunate work towards self-sufficiency. Last year, St. Vincent de Paul helped over 20,000 individuals with food, clothing, and shelter, while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner re-entry. SVDPDSM.org, 515-282-8327. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. This message was brought to you by Homemakers Furniture. Meals from the Heartland's 13th annual Hunger Fight runs from August 24th through September 12th. The challenge is to package 6 million meals in three weeks to feed the hungry around the world. Blessing International seeks 65 volunteers to pack meals for two hours to help meet the challenge. The event is Thursday evening, August 27th from 6 to 8. For more information, email Marvin at blessmaninternational.org by August 25th. For more information or to register to help, email Marvin at blessmaninternational.org. Check out the latest issue of the Catholic Mirror hitting mailboxes this weekend. Hear from the Diocesan Superintendent of Schools and Catholic Principals on how they're welcome kids back to the classroom while taking precautions for social distancing and sanitation. Read about the Christ Our Life Conference, the new streaming option, and safety and sanitation measures. Learn about women in Council Bluffs baking up thousands of pies to support their parish. And read about a diocesan priest stuck abroad for almost four months due to COVID-19. Check out these stories and much more in the August issue of the Catholic Mirror hitting mailboxes this weekend. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Did you know there are millions of children that go hungry every day? Mary's Meals is a program with a simple idea, to provide one daily meal in a place of learning. To attract chronically poor children into the classroom as they're ladder out of poverty instead of working in the fields or begging on the streets. The average worldwide cost to feed a child for a whole school year is just 1950. Mary's Meals is now feeding over 1 million children in Africa. Mary'sMealsUSA.org Thank you to Skeffington's Formalware for your support of Mary's Meals. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. It'll be sunny and hot through the afternoon and a little bit breezy. Our temperature will be in the mid to upper 90s. Overnight down to 70 and clear, sunny, hot, and breezy again tomorrow, 98. The weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy. Outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation. Seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells. So blessed to have Adam Story joining me today. Adam is the Vice Chancellor for the Diocese of Des Moines, and we're talking specifically about the diocese response to COVID. What have they done? What are they involved with? And and I want to talk now with Adam. Uh, School started. We have one day under our belt. We're ready to go. Um, but we have religious education that typically starts in our parishes a couple of weeks after 
um, regular school starts. So once kids kind of get into the routine of regular school, then religious ed starts. How is that going to work with our with, yeah. at our parishes? I'm sure that's yeah, a well, hybrid everywhere, every which way you look. Absolutely, and you know our our parishes and and for religious education, this has really been spearheaded by John Gaffney, our evangelization and catechesis director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know he's been working both with the schools and with parishes uh, uh, to kind of, you know, match or mirror their policies in the schools. To I think one of the things uh, just to know about it is to be really flexible in their approach. I know they've developed uh, plans for being in person, plans for having hybrid models, plans for being uh, entirely digital. And to have some flexibility with, you know, we, we're we not sure what things are going to look like four weeks from now, six weeks from now. Uh, <laughs> well, we don't know what it's going to look like four hours from now. Come on. <laughs> yes, that, that is true. Uh, to be attentive to that and to also to work with our medical experts, too. I mean, that's on on all levels of of our plans for COVID. I think one of the great blessings has been our ability to work with uh, really talented, really well-informed, uh, wise doctors that are working with COVID every day. Uh, and I think particularly of two of our doctors uh, who are, you know, they're, they're devout Catholics. They understand the spiritual life deeply. Uh, so they understand the competing goods that are involved, uh, but have a really keen sense of, of, you know, how to protect public health as well. Um and so working with them to ask them, you know, as week by week goes by, hey, what things do we need to adjust? What new mm-hmm. things have we learned? How do we adapt? Uh, that's been a real blessing for all of our plans. Yeah, Dr. Yost, who is on that uh, committee with you, is um, was on my show last week, and we, we separated facts versus fiction of the coronavirus. It's a great show. If you folks, if you missed it last week and you always listen on the podcast at our free Iowa Catholic radio app, it was, um, I thought it was very, very enlightening. Um, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen on that. Uh, let's talk about mass. I, I had somebody say the other day, um, Oh, well my parish, they're still processing to communion and, and they're like, well, wait a minute. I don't know that. Cause I've only been watching on the, the broadcast, the live broadcast. So, I don't know what they're doing. So I thought, you know, yeah, if you haven't gone back to Mass, you may have some apprehensions about what's going to happen when you get there. How close are you going to be? All of that kind of stuff. So so let's take a, a look at what Mass is for folks who have not um, had the courage to come back into the church for fear of, of the coronavirus. Yeah, so, um, you know, things are a little bit different, mm-hmm. but... But the goal is that we still have, you know, we're still able to have that intimacy with the Lord and intimacy with our community as we come together, uh, even though it's, you know, there's things that are inconvenient. But but I think that intimacy is still possible. So um, the biggest things we do uh, practice social distancing within the church. So mm-hmm. household units would be at least six feet apart from each other. Uh, we strongly encourage mask use. And I think the great majority of people coming to Mass in our diocese are, are wearing a face covering of some kind. Yes. Um, you know, different things that uh, could possibly be a greater exposure, like the physical sign of peace, uh, that's been suspended. Um, I love that we still, like at St. Ambrose Daily Mass, they, they still, you know, say, extend a sign of peace. 
you know, and so, yeah. you know, you know, I, I, at least I raised my hand not to wave, but you know, it's almost like God bless you, you know, yeah. to the, to the people around you. And, and you can still extend the sign of peace. You don't have to shake hands. You don't have to, you know, hug anybody, you know, it's still that extension of yourself to another. Well, and that's a great example because I think at the heart of all the changes, uh, we're still drawing together as a community mm-hmm. to worship God. And that's, mm-hmm. that's at the heart of things. It might look a little different. It might feel a different, little bit different. Uh, but what the Eucharist is, you know, Jesus Christ truly present in the flesh, uh, us together worshiping God and offering mm-hmm. our sacrifice to him, uh, that's all there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Mass is still the Mass. Um, you know, another, I think, encouraging thing, and we've heard this, from our own doctors that we're consulting with. Also, there was a paper uh, written by a group of epidemiologists talking nationally, uh, but just the comment that the mass right now is one of the safest places a person can be uh, in public, that because of the precautions that we've taken, uh, because of, of the generous way that people and parishes have responded, mm-hmm. uh, that the mass is one of the safest places uh, to be, one of the lowest risk uh, places for getting COVID. Well, and you know, it's just, it's the little things too. Like, you know, all of the, the papers that were in the pews are gone. There's no missalette. So you see a lot of people bringing their Magnificat or Word Among Us or, you know, those various um, resources that they, you know, have at home. And, um, and I know the parishes offered the missalettes if you wanted to take one, they, they kind of quarantined them and then said, if you want to have your own personal one, you can take it. Um, so, you know, people have their own. They they bring their own with them. Um, and so I think that that works just fine because that way you can write in it, too. I, I love taking notes during during um, homilies in particular and underlining lines. Um, but I think the interesting thing, too, is is there's no collection, which I have a question mm-hmm. about that. So, you know, share with what some of the parishes are doing around no collection. Yeah, well, you know, different. So there's no there's no past basket right now. So some parishes are putting out a basket by by the entrances or a place where a person can make a contribution. Uh, also, a lot of our parishes have moved, uh, either expanded or started for the first time online giving places mm-hmm. where a person can, uh, you know, make that financial gift, that sacrifice to the parish uh, digitally, and so. Um, you know, our I think our diocese, uh, our parishioners, our parishes have responded very well mm-hmm. to that change, just like all the others, uh, to how to continue to live the life of a parish, but to also mitigate risk for sure. But, you know, I have I have a maybe I should be asking Father Trevor this as the worship director, but I'd read once about the offering of the gifts is is similar to, you know, early Jewish tradition where you would bring your the animals and you know that was sacrificed on the altar and and then over time as you traveled farther to temple then you would bring you know your other resources and then trade them for whatever you needed to offer and you know we've of course graduated to where we bring our own monies to offer but now there's no offering yeah, well, I, I kind of miss that we're not offering something. Well, and so 
Father Trevor would be the the right person to respond. I threw but, that one at you. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I would say, well, I do. So there's no there's no physical offering of money at that moment in the mass. There absolutely is still the presentation of the gift. You know, even if the gifts are brought just from the credence table to the altar, mm-hmm. uh, the presentation of the gift does occur, um, and that occurs right after the prayers of the faithful, and that especially for us as lay people, uh, this is a really important and powerful moment in the Mass because, you know, usually this is maybe when the basket goes by and you drop in your envelope. But what the envelope is not the important thing when you talk about offering our gift. You know, when the priest says, may my sacrifice and yours be pleasing to the Father, my sacrifice, my personal sacrifice as a lay person uh, is all all the experiences of my life that I bring to that Mass. It's, hmm. you know, hey, I'm offering this problem at work. I'm offering uh, uh, this great joy I had with my family. I'm offering this fight that I had with my wife. It's offering those things at that moment that is our sacrifice, and the Lord receives those and transforms those things into His own life, uh, which is how the laity sanctify the world. So, that to me as a lay person is one of the most powerful moments of the mass. Uh, and a basket isn't being passed in front of me, but the presentation of my sacrifice, the presentation of my gifts, uh, absolutely is a part of the mass. And that is a moment where we have to offer our lives to God, uh, so that he can transform them in his grace. A silver lining is that we're no longer distracted by the basket. Yeah. You know, if, if we can really focus, Hey, you know, when the priest says, may, may my sacrifice and yours, he's not talking about your $5. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking about your life. You know, I only have to put about, in $5? All right. Oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. No, Yeah, no comment on amount. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what we're offering in that moment. What uh, do you so think? maybe at this time we can become more aware of that. Yeah. What do you think of the numbers of folks that have come back? I've heard 30% maybe are coming back to Mass yet. Do you think it is about COVID that they're not coming back? Or do you think they just don't care? Well, you know, this is, this is, I think, a really good question. And this is something that I don't think anybody, anybody has an answer to, Um, you know, but I think what I would say uh, is to be hopeful, Um, you know, post pandemic, when this ends, uh, I hope that we don't just try to go hit the reset button uh, and now life at a parish is exactly what life of the parish in January 2020 was. Uh, I hope we're not just trying to get back to where we were, because when we talk about Catholics' understanding of the Eucharist, Catholics' understanding of the gift of the Mass, Catholics' understanding of, of the sacramental life, uh, if we're being honest, our understanding wasn't that good back in January. Right. And so I hope you know, I hope we don't say, hey, let's get back to a mediocre place. Uh, I hope we say, let's, let's unpack this gift. Let's live into this gift. Uh, let's recognize, you know, how generous God is with us in the sacramental life. And, you know, for me, the number of people in the pews, uh, that doesn't reveal how, how much we've received and accepted this gift. Uh, you know, there's other things that, that um, I think are more meaningful in that regard. But my personal hope is not that we try to hit reset because, 
to me, reset isn't good enough. Uh, I think we need to do better. I would agree. I would agree. Hey, we're going to take our final break of the hour. And when we come back with Adam Story, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about that participation in mass and um, what do we do next. We talked about these different phases. What is the next phase? And finally, we're going to wrap up with uh, how the diocese is supporting the Christ Our Life Conference when we are limiting other activities. You don't want to miss that. Stay tuned for Straight Talk right now on Iowa Catholic Radio. Partial support for Catholic Women Now comes from injury attorney Fred Haas. When Iowans have been injured through no fault of their own, in a car, truck, or motorcycle accident, harmed in a work-related injury, or suffered injury due to negligence of others, Fred Haas has been on their side to help recover from financial, physical, and emotional loss. Fred, double D, Haas, double A. Online at fredhaas.com. The Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. While we have time, let us do good. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo is provided by Confluence Brewing Company. Brewed locally and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited release beers available at local stores, bars, and restaurants. Confluence Brewing Company at 1235 Thomas Beck Road, off the bike trail south of Grays Lake, and online at confluencebrewing.com. Confluence Brewing Company offers curbside service and would like to thank you for your support. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, for underwriting Catholic Women Now. As an authorized independent agent, Cindy's team can provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. Cindy Schulte at 1315 50th Street in West Des Moines or on the web at cindyschulte.com. 515-226-2111. Cindy and her team know health insurance. Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Products available at Farm Bureau Financial Services. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping. Clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Check out the latest issue of the Catholic Mirror hitting mailboxes this weekend. Hear from the Diocesan Superintendent of Schools and Catholic Principals on how they're welcome kids back to the classroom while taking precautions for social distancing and sanitation. Read about the Christ Our Life Conference, the new streaming option, and safety and sanitation measures. Learn about women in Council Bluffs baking up thousands of pies to support their parish. And read about a diocesan priest stuck abroad for almost four months due to COVID-19. Check out these stories and much more in the August issue of the Catholic Mirror hitting mailboxes this weekend. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells, and my guest today is Adam Story, Vice Chancellor for the Diocese of Des Moines. And uh, he is leading the team with the uh, at the diocese in their response to COVID-19. And we've been talking about the Mass and, um, you know, the participation rate being not where we want it to be. 
And I, I read a report, um, Dr. Fauci um, has said that COVID-19 could last for another year if we can, if we continue our mitigation efforts and if there is a vaccine. Do you think, Adam, that our souls can really brave this storm for another year? Man, well, uh, you know, I think that sort of like I think of the uh, the statement that, you know, God doesn't give us more than we can handle or God gives us the grace to handle whatever he puts in our life. And, and then Mother um, Teresa said, I wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Or, yeah. Uh, Teresa of Avila, you know, if this is how you treat your friends, no, no wonder you have so few. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but, uh, this is, this is a hard and painful time, but, um, you know, this is also hard times is where saints come out of, you know, mm. um, difficult moments. That's when, that's when we have an opportunity for profound growth. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, you know, we don't embrace suffering for the sake of suffering or we don't seek suffering out. Uh, but I do think that this can be a particular moment where God is inviting us to become saints. And we can either say yes to that invitation or we can say, you know, no, thank you. I like things the way they were. Um, and Aren't that's, we all that's supposed to be to saints? Yeah, we are. We are. And St. Thomas, you know, one time St. Thomas was asked, uh, if God wants all of us to be saints, why are there so few? St. Thomas said, well, because we choose not to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the choice is ours. God's inviting us to be a saint. Uh, are we going to say yes or no? Mm-hmm. I say yes, by his grace. It'll be true. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I say yes, too. Yes. Uh, God willing. Yeah. That's two votes. Okay. Uh, hey, now, okay, let's look. Now, the practical side, um, we've been doing all of this stuff in phases. I, I, My head kind of spins as to which phase I'm in at which place that I'm standing. You know, at the diocese, mm-hmm. we're in phase one. So half of us work in the building um, when the other half are working from home. We have odd schedules. Um, you know, fa- we're in phase three at the parishes. Um, so explain explain what that means, phase three, for um, our listeners that haven't read every one of these documents that have come out. Yeah, well, for our parishes, uh, the, most, the way that we did it is three phases. The first phase was weekday masses, uh, but not weekend masses. And that was a chance to kind of get used to, okay, how do we celebrate public masses in, in, a, in a safe way? Uh, phase two was incorporating those weekend masses. Uh, and so in phase two, uh, there was public worship, uh, but there wasn't those uh, sort of extracurricular activities at a parish, you know, uh, wedding receptions, Knights of Columbus meetings, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Phase three is when all of those things got incorporated uh, while taking proper mitigation steps. And, um, you know, so that's where we're at. So really anything that that usually could occur in the life of a parish uh, with some limitations. Those things are able to occur right now. And it's kind of the, the spot where we're learning how to, you know, live in the midst of COVID-19 in as safe of a way as possible. Mm-hmm. So how do we kind of go on with our life, uh, but in, in, a, in a way that mitigates risk? Um, this so is what kind are of the, the limits of on, on phase three? You know, could there be... Um, if this, oh, please let it not be so, but if we still have COVID during Lent, will there be fish fries? 
but only so many people at a time? Um, yeah, or well, wedding receptions in the church hall or, you know, what kind of limits are there currently in phase three? Yeah, well, and, you know, when we look forward, I mean, the, the key to remember is that everything is going to change with the more we learn about the virus uh, and also the public health situation. So, you know, even a month from now, it's hard to predict what things will look like. Uh, but in phase three, you know, these type of events can happen. Social events can happen. Food service can happen. Uh, it's mainly about taking the proper mitigation steps we can, things like using a mask, uh, being socially distant, sanitizing and disinfecting areas, those sorts of things. There is, in general, there's a 100-person limit right now on phase three, which is kind of, you know, we don't want to have massive events in our parish halls. Uh, we don't want to have massive gatherings that could potentially be you know, what they call super spreader events. Um, and so we have that, that limit, but that limit can and will change as the public health situation changes, uh, either allowing for more people still within the context of phase three, uh, or if we needed to allowing for less people in the context of phase three. Mm -hmm. So is there a phase four? So I would say phase four is <laughs> kind of life back to normal. So phase three is kind of fluid, you know, uh, every month we revisit our mitigation protocols and we say, hey, you know, based on the public health situation, based on um, what we've learned about the virus, do we need to change any of these things? And we talk to our doctors about that. Um, so phase three, you know, things could change as we learn about the virus or as the situation changes. But phase four is kind of once... Um, you know, we're we're out the other side of the pandemic. That's sort of life back to normal. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's let's pray that is soon. Um, yeah, but you, you mentioned you mentioned something about large events and that you don't want to have a situation where it's a super spreader of the COVID-19 yet the Christ Our Life conference is going on, which I look forward to every other year. It is just a shot in the arm, a, a, a you know, a time to take a weekend and, and reset. Um, but the diocese has supported them moving forward. How how can you do that when we have concerns about um, not having these large environments? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And um, we are supporting Christ Our Life because it is, um, I mean, first of all, it's such a beautiful and powerful part of the life of the community of the Diocese of Des Moines. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a tremendous conference, but also because you know, different circumstances require different responses. And Christ Our Life is a different circumstance. You know, they're they're hosting it at Wells Fargo Arena. Which uh, can house maxed... thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think they're somewhere in the 20,000s of people is the max capacity. At Christ Our Life, it's maxed at 3,700. So mm -hmm. less than a quarter of what Wells Fargo Arena could actually hold. You know, if any of our parish halls was able to host 20,000 people, we would raise the max number, you know? Uh, <laughs> I so got you. So if they can hold 500, you can have 100. If they can hold 1,000, you could have 200. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of thing. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, we adjust to the situation. I think another thing about Wells Fargo is uh, that arena, uh, because their whole 
their whole work is to host large gatherings. They've been really attentive to um, how to properly mitigate uh, COVID-19 with different protocols, procedures within the building, with uh, their airflow system, all these sorts of things. So we do feel like it'll be a really safe environment. Uh, masks are going to be required in the common areas that people will have to wear masks in common areas. Uh, we're going to be socially distant uh, throughout throughout the, the hall. They've made particular kind of mitigation steps for confession, for adoration, for things like that. Um, so I do really believe that they can do a really good job at mitigating the risk, even with more people. Uh, and it's such a gift to our community uh, that I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Also, I will be there, folks. I hope you will be there as well. Uh, ChristOurLifeIowa.com. I love that they have the online option since they are limited oh, yeah. attendance. Yeah. ChristOurLifeIowa.com. Yeah, yep. For tickets and, and all the information. Adam, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been enlightening. I hope our listeners have appreciated it as well. Thanks to my producer, Jimmy Olson. I'm Jean Wells and asking again today, St. Rocco, patron saint against plagues and infectious disease to deliver us from the coronavirus and may your intercession, St. Rocco, preserve our bodies from contagious diseases and our souls from the contagion of sin. St. Rocco, pray for us. I thank all of you for joining me today on Straight Talk. We are on the air because of your prayers and your generosity. I cannot thank you enough. Please consider a tax-deductible gift as we head into our fall carathon the last week of September, first week of October. Consider that $30 a month gift that makes it manageable in your budget and know that we truly, truly appreciate your support. You can go to iowacatholicradio.com. Straight Talk is every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Always available on our podcast at the Iowa Catholic Radio free app. Stay tuned now for Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. God bless. Straight Talk, where you get answers to tough issues impacting your life. Listen anywhere at any time via podcast at iowacatholicradio.com. Straight Talk, heard every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and replayed at 10 p.m. only on Iowa Catholic Radio.